Coming up on this episode of Please Bear With Me, we've got former Baylor baseball player Max Garner, Rebecca Fiorentino from Duke Athletics stops by, and I give you my top 10 Baylor football uniform combinations. Please Bear With Me starts right now. Welcome into Please Bear With Me, your go-to podcast for all things Baylor football. My name is Scotty Swingler. So happy you're able to listen this week as we react to Baylor's win over UTSA and look ahead to a big, big game at McLean Stadium this week against the Duke Blue Devils. So let's kick off this episode by talking about the five biggest takeaways that we got from the game against UTSA. Five big takeaways from the game on Saturday. Here we go. Number five, Clay Johnston makes a huge difference. Clay Johnston got in that game on Saturday and things immediately changed as he had some big hits, including one play where I thought he was going to kill a man. If you know what hit I'm talking about, say, amen, brother. Clay Johnston lit that dude up. And then... Actually, on his first series in the game, he had a big pass breakup on a third down. Clay Johnston is a great football player. That guy is unbelievable. He is Bryce Hager reincarnate. He proved it once again on Saturday, and we need him to stay healthy if we're going to be successful this year. The other thing I would say about that side of the ball is James Lynch and Derek Thomas also need to stay healthy in order for us to be successful this season. I said it on Friday night on Please Bear With Me, the show. Derek Thomas is going to get a turnover, and he needs to for us to beat UTSA. He did with a big interception, and I'm really impressed with the way he's played. James Lynch, on the other hand, is quickly establishing himself as the best defensive lineman on this football team. He's insane. He got another sack this week. Really like what I see from the sophomore. What a stud. We're lucky to have him. So, Clay Johnston, Derek Thomas, James Lynch, all super important for this defense. Number four is that, as we've said for a few weeks, and it just continues to be true, Jalen Hurd is so key to this offense playing well. The senior wide receiver had eight catches for 136 yards and a touchdown, and that touchdown catch was insane as he slid to the ground and scooped up a ball that a lot of receivers wouldn't have caught. Really, really impressed with the way Jalen Hurd plays. And I said it before the game. I said, we need to get the ball to Jalen Hurd in space. And they not only did that, but they also got the ball to Denzel Mims very effectively as well. The run game was not going. And those wide receivers who we've expected to have a big 2018 stepped up and played very well. Shout out to Chris Platt for that excellent catch along the sideline in the fourth quarter. Might have been the most impressive catch of the game. He didn't have the big numbers on Saturday, but don't worry. I expect him to in a game soon. But Jalen Hurd is the key cog, the key piece in that offense. He needs to stay healthy, and he needs to keep being productive if this offense is going to continue to succeed. On that note, while we're talking about the passing game, here's my third biggest takeaway. It's that Charlie Brewer's back. 
You know, we all thought after the game against Abilene Christian that Jalen McClendon looked like the better guy, and he did. And we were all going, you know, it's cool that Jalen McClendon looks good, but where's the Charlie Brewer that we saw explode out of the gates last season and play so, so very well on his way to being a Big 12 freshman of the year? Well, he came back in full force on Saturday, played extremely well, running the ball, throwing the ball, and even having a big catch for 36 yards. Charlie Brewer played excellent, so well that Jalen McClendon didn't even see the field in the second half. So some of your reactions on Twitter that I've seen have been, well, Charlie's clearly the starter now. It's his team. I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit. We've seen one really good game from one guy, one really good game from the other. I would not be surprised if at the beginning of this Duke game, We go back to that two-quarterback system. I know that's going to frustrate some people after the way Charlie played, but I would not be surprised if we see both guys get on the field against Duke and then in the exact same way Matt Rule did against UTSA, he sticks with whichever quarterback is hot. My gut says that's going to be Charlie Brewer because Duke has a very, very good pass rush and like we needed Brewer's feet against UTSA, I think we will need to use Brewer's feet against that pass rush of Duke. But who knows? Jalen McClendon could come out and look like an NFL quarterback again like he did in week one. I do expect both guys to play, but the takeaway from the UTSA game is Charlie Brewer back to form, and that's good news for Baylor fans because he is the guy of the future regardless of how McClendon or he plays this season. My second big takeaway is the defense still cannot stop the run, and it's going to really hurt us in Big 12 play. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, But after last week, I said we have to get better at stopping the run. We cannot allow those explosive big plays. You heard Tim Watkins on the podcast say, oh, we'll show massive improvement. We didn't. UTSA ran all over us at will. B.J. Daniels, who you heard J.J. Perez last week say would have a big game this week, he did. He had a great game and made us look silly on a couple of plays. They gashed us when they wanted to. Granted, not quite as bad as Abilene Christian in terms of the big touchdown play, but they had too many long runs, and I think – That, as opposed to our run game, which did not get going, is a little scary and a little concerning. Baylor has to take the next step up by the time we get to Big 12 play in terms of stopping the run, or it's going to be a long Big 12 stretch for the Baylor Bears. Got to see someone on the defense step up. Like I said, Clay Johnston and James Lynch played very well. Need a few more guys. Jalen Petrie had a huge forced fumble that ended up not being caught a fumble on a bogus call, and... I'll talk a little bit more about those calls later, but you know Petrie stepped up on a play. We we had uh, Jordan Williams got in on the quarterback on a really good play. Some of the, some of those guys, those linebackers, need to figure it out. And the safeties once again were whiffing on tackles a couple times, and they've got to figure it out. So I'm hopeful they will. I'm not optimistic that stopping the run will be crucial to see how far this team goes this season. And my biggest takeaway from the game was actually on the offensive line. I I saw the offensive line take a step back from last week, which I expected. UTSA has a very good defensive front. ACU is, is inferior in just about every way. However, the part I didn't expect, and this is what I want to talk about, Eliasa Anderson at left tackle played significantly better than Jake Frew Morgan. Jake Frew Morgan, of course, being the Clemson transfer who – did start, I believe, five games for their national championship team a couple years ago. He got beat a couple of times, especially on the play where Jalen McClendon fumbled 
at the end of the second half that allowed UTSA to get down and get a score before halftime. That was that was on Jake Frew Morgan letting that defender in the pocket. And so I think we all had very high hopes for Jake, and I'm not saying Jake's not a good player, and I think Jake can find his way on the field. I don't think it's going to be a left tackle. You know, I think there's a reason Josh Malin so easily won the job at left tackle to begin with, and Elias Anderson has played very well in two weeks now at that spot. And so I think Jake Frew Morgan, we're going to see him move over to right tackle or maybe even right guard and see if he can work his way onto the field somewhere over there. But that will be something to watch as we move forward into Duke is how they handle who plays on the line. It was also interesting to me to see Xavier Newman get so much time, and he got beat a couple of times. So the offensive line played fairly well in pass pro. Charlie Brewer had to move a little bit, but for the most part, he did have room to move, and he was able to make all the throws he needed to make. Where they struggled was in run blocking, and, you know, Jamichael Hasty only had, I believe, seven yards on 10 carries. You know, a lot of people were tweeting out how Jamichael just looked bad, but it was because was the line wasn't opening up holes for him. Same situation as last season. So I, I want to see better run blocking against Duke, and I want to see Eliasa Anderson play more over Jake Frumorgan. So that was my biggest takeaway was watching the line and how they performed and the line play combined with how our defense tackles and stops the run will be what determines if we can beat Duke this coming Saturday. And so those were my five big takeaways against UTSA. was dubbed Year of the Bear after RG3's big Heisman win and the women's basketball team's national championship run right alongside a men's basketball Elite Eight run and a great run from the Baylor baseball team just a couple of plays away a heartbreaking loss right before they would have made it to the college world series and one of the key players on that Baylor baseball team was pitcher Max Garner and he's a big fan of the show and so I had him on this week to discuss his baseball career as well as give us his thoughts on this year's Baylor football team and so here is a interview with Max Garner. All right. Well, hey, why don't you just start by uh, telling Baylor fans, telling listeners what you do these days and what you're up to? Hey, man, I've, uh, you know, since I got out of pro ball, which was uh, for two years after Baylor, I played in the Marlins system in 2014 and 2015. And um, I got back to Austin. I did some commercial real estate. And now uh, my, my parents and I own a sales startup for a, a company. We sell waterproof bags. And uh, it's kind of a niche market right now, but we're, um, we're it's a Swiss company that we're trying to introduce to the United States. Uh, of, it's pretty com- fun. Completely out of curiosity, waterproof bags for what purposes? To, give me your pitch real quick. Oh, like, you know, if you're, like, floating the river in San Marcos or New Braunfels or out on the lake or anything like that, you can take, you know, I take my cell phone, all the stuff that I, that I would take and, and try to keep dry. Um, and these bags float. And uh, they're they're totally waterproof. You can take all your stuff with you and all that. Well, there you have it, listeners. If you need a waterproof bag, get in touch with Max. <laughs> yeah, it, it turned out to be a fun like a fun thing that we got involved with just by chance, and we're going to try to run with it for a couple of years and see what happens. That's incredible. I see you on Twitter all the time, engaging with people and and tweeting about the football games and stuff. How closely do you keep up with Baylor athletics? I'm I'm all over everything. You know, I I uh, loved my time at Baylor, and I I've 
tried my hardest to stay in touch with everybody and, and really keep up with all the programs. So it's, it's just a lot of fun to me and something I'll always be connected with. How often are you here? I'm at every home game, for sure, um, uh, for football and most of the basketball home games, I would say. And I went to uh, two baseball series last year. All right. Uh, so you go to baseball the least, even though that's where you played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. This is a three-game series. Or, you know, I, I like to pick, pick a couple of weekends where I can just come up for all three games instead of like trying to drive up for a couple Saturdays or anything like that. That's great. Tell me a little bit about your time at Baylor. Tell me, I know there was that one t- that one team where there was the run where it was, you know, a play or two away from the World Series, and uh, you had some good memories at Baylor. Why don't you just reflect on your career at Baylor and how things went, and uh, just give us your perspective on all of that. Yeah, man, I, I loved Baylor, and I was I was skeptical more than anything else was uh, because my parents were both uh, Midway Panthers. And uh, I just, I have a ton of family in Waco, and that wasn't what I was holding against anything, but I was just, I, I didn't really know what to expect from a town that I'd been going to my whole life for Christmas right. and Thanksgiving to go to college there and stuff like that. And um, by the time I got there, you know, we obviously had Coach Smith, not Coach Rod and everything, and it, it was a very easy transition. And the coaches that we had at the time were, you know, had had a very systematic program running, and it was a lot of people where you, you kind of knew what you were going to get out of everybody, and, and I got that on my recruiting trips, and, and they were all open and honest, and I, I really, um, I picked Baylor because I, I really knew what I was expecting coming in, and, and it seemed like a place that I was really going to enjoy, and I did. And what, what are some of your favorite memories from your career here? I know you, you kind of served every position on that pitching staff, did some closing, some relief, some starting. What 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 are some memories that stick out to you? Uh I mean I think anyone that was on that team in two thousand twelve would tell you that like sweeping A and M their last year in the conference Heck yeah. Was, was awesome. And uh I got to I got to get the last out in all three of those games, which was you know, I, I would have never thought of, of something like that happening when I was being recruited or anything like that. And, uh, that, but by far that, you know, that whole year, we knew we had something special. I don't, I don't think a lot of people away from the locker room really did before the season started, but we all did. And, um, that series was just kind of the stamp on, on kind of telling us what we knew, what we thought we already were. And once, once we beat, you know, they were ranked like two or three that, that weekend. And, uh, once we beat them all three games, we really, had a, had a pretty good idea of what kind of team we were and how good we could be. Talk about Coach Smith a little bit. I know a lot of Baylor fans, you know, he was there for a long time. I remember going to a baseball camp when I was in second or third grade and, Co- and Coach Smith running the baseball camp, you know. So he, he was at Baylor a long time, obviously had a great uh, career there. And I think Baylor fans have nothing but love and uh, appreciation for his time at Baylor. Uh, what was your relationship with Coach Smith like? And do y'all still keep up? I talk to him every once in a while, but uh, not not as much as I would like to. But you know, he's got a lot going on. He's still coaching at Auburn, and they have a really good team out there right now. And um, but I talk to him every once in a while. I talk to him a lot when I was still playing pro ball. And um, I, you know, Coach Smith is he's our guy. We, you know, I, you understand when programs have to move on from coaches, like all that kind of stuff happens. But um, 
Coach Smith was behind me my whole career. He, he was open with me during recruiting. He, you know, he told me what he expected of me and all my teammates, everybody else. You know, you knew what you were getting from him. And, um, man, he was just a great guy. He, he was a lot of fun to play for, and he let us he let us be ourselves on the field, which I think was a part of why we had so much success for the four years I was playing and all the other years that he was, you know, in charge. This is interesting to me. Talk about your pro career, those two years pitching, uh, you know, in the minors under an organization. We've talked, we've already this season on Please Bear With Me had Elliot Coffey and Derek Epperson both talk about, uh, you know, trying to break into the NFL and what that's like. What's it like playing pro ball at that level? Yeah, um, it's, you know, some of it's like what the movies and, and TV shows portray with the buses that have, don't have air conditioning or they break down in the middle of nowhere or something like that. You know, that all happens. Um, but it's mostly it's just a lot of fun. There's Most of the ballparks are really nice. You, you don't go to that many places where, it's it's not a nice town or not a nice ballpark. Some of that's a little bit exaggerated. But, um, you know, it's definitely, I think, minor leaguers are underpaid. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, to break even if you're staying in the minor leagues for a long time trying to get up to the bigs. And it's, you know, it's it's a tough lifestyle. But, it's, you know, you don't think about it when you're at the games. When you're, having, when you're at the games, it's a lot of fun and you know if you're a pitcher you're just trying to get people out and if you're you know if you're a hitter or whatever you're just trying to make your plays and get on base if you had to do it all over again would you do it again oh yeah no question no question good you follow this football team really closely and you're a fun follow on twitter so anybody that's not following you on twitter needs to do it but what have you seen from this football team so far this season or, or last season what what are you seeing uh, what are your thoughts on the way this team has been playing, the difference between last season and this season, what are, what are you seeing in this Baylor football team? Well, I mean, first, I think this year, you know, you have a more or less a full roster. I think it's somewhere around 90 and not 102 or whatever, uh, like a, a legitimately full roster is. But you know, last year you're playing with like 60 players, and as soon as somebody gets hurt, you don't have any backup in any position. And that it was just going to be really hard for Rule and them to have much success with a with a depleted roster just just size wise it's just hard to do that and um i think it's exciting this year you know i'm from lake travis i'm a big charlie brewer guy seen all the quarterbacks at lake travis high school come through and they all like you know charlie's the real deal and um i think long term he's going to do a lot for baylor and he's a really good guy to have around and they're exciting to watch you know jalen hurts really good i think all of our wide receivers are going to prove to be really good this year. And I'm a, I'm a large uh, Jermichael Hasty fan. Speaking of Jermichael Hasty, he kind of struggled yesterday uh, to get anything going on the ground. After, wa- uh, after watching the game last night, uh, how do you feel about it? You break down yesterday's game for us real quick. What were your thoughts on how they played yesterday? Um, I don't know that it was far off of what I expected, just being on the road in an environment where you, don't, you didn't really know what you are going to get out there at the Alamo Dome. Um, offensive line needs to be better, I think. And, uh, you know, obviously there were the missed tackles on defense. But I'm not too concerned, honestly. I I think it's going to be a really big test against Duke, and it'll really show everybody exactly where we're at because, uh, you know, they may not win 11 games this year, but Duke's going to beat some people, and they've got some really good players on offense and defense, and I think it's going to show us 
what we have and what we're really needing to work on. If you had to guess, how do you think we're going to fare against Duke? I think it's going to be close. I, I went out to North Carolina for the game last year, and, you know, we're going to, like like I said, Jalen Hurd and uh, Mims and Platt are really good, and they're going to be able to catch passes if someone puts it, you know, if Brewer or McClendon, whoever's playing, puts it on their hands. Um, and I think at home, I think we'll have a good crowd. Obviously, two, like 2-0, two and we've got some excitement going now and an ACC opponent coming in at home. So I, I think we I think we can pull it off. If we win, if we play well, we'll win. But you know, it's just about turnovers and and missed tackles, really. I completely agree. Last thought, and then I'm going to let you go. What is your favorite Baylor football uniform combination? Ooh, uh, probably all black with the chrome helmet. You know, they're not. They're supposedly can't do the chrome helmets anymore this season because they got that new. That new safer model of helmet. <laughs> right, they can only do a couple of the colors or whatever, um, and that's that's that is what it is. There's still a lot of other good ones and stuff. I like the all black and I like all all green and stuff like that. But um, I wish we could still have the chrome around. You know, I like all the flash. Well, here's a better question because Baylor baseballs had some pretty unique looks over the years. What's your favorite Baylor baseball uniform ever? Well, we always like getting to wear the camo hats for a military briefing yes. weekend. <laughs> yes. No, and, those are freaking uh, I, cool. I thought those with the green top were, were a good jersey for baseball. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm also pretty jealous of all the Nike stuff that they've got flowing in now. Very cool. Well, hey, Max, uh, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And you can come back anytime, man. We'll hear from you again soon. Yep, let me know. I love listening. And uh, we'll see everybody in Waco on Saturday. A big thank you to Max Garner for coming on the podcast, and he mentioned something that I wanted to mention as well that's very important, is that if you are at all able to go to this game on Saturday at McLean Stadium as we face Duke, you need to be there. Put your butt in a seat, get loud, support the Baylor Bears. The home field advantage is crucial if we are going to get this pivotal and all-important third win of the season. This is the game that we have said since the preseason will go a long way towards determining whether Baylor can or won't get into a bowl game. And so be there if you can for Baylor Duke this Saturday. Max will be there. I'll be there. You should be there. I hope to see you there. And that leads me into our next segment, which Max and I also briefly hinted at, but I've been wanting to do this for a while. And so this is the week. Here are the top 10 Baylor football uniform combinations. And before we dive in, I want to let you know that we are using this current generation of uniforms. So nothing before this current generation of uniforms was allowed into consideration for this list. And this is solely the opinion of myself. And so if you have beef with my top 10 uniform list, give me a shout out on Twitter and let me know what you think. But here is my opinion There's a ton of uniform combinations. I looked it up uh, that we've seen in the past couple of years, but these are my 10 favorite. We'll start at 10 and we'll end at number one, my very favorite. Here we go. Number 10. At number 10, I've got white, white, green for an away uniform combination. I really like this look. It's like the white outlook, but with the green pants. I think it's slick. I think it's clean. 
and you know it falls in at number 10 so it's not very high on my list but it's a good look number nine at number nine i've got green white green almost very similar to the last one only with the green helmets instead of the white I like the uniform combinations. I think you'll see this as we move on where the helmet and the pants match with a different jersey in the middle. Don't know why. I just think that's very pleasing. The green, white, green is a really, really good away look. Number eight. For number eight, I'm going with the Icy Whites, the Stormtrooper look. Ooh, number eight. Scotty, that's so low. Listen, this is one of those uniform combinations that a lot of people love, and I am just not that high on it. I think a big reason I struggle with it is the gold paws on the shoulders, and they don't match up with the green numbers on our away jerseys. I think I would really like the all-white look if the paws on the white jersey were green or if they just weren't there. It would be a little bit more of a clean look. I do like the Stormtrooper look, but it's only my eighth favorite uniform combination. Number seven. With this one, I've got to go gray, black, gray. And this is where I might make some other fans angry, but listen, I do not love the gunmetal gray uniforms. I just don't. I really liked when we went with the black uniforms, but the gray was just a step too far, and I don't get it. Like, it does not look good. It really doesn't the way they did it, um, but I do like the gray when it complements the black, and so the gray, black, gray combo is really slick. Seth Russell, in particular, really rocked that look. Check it out if you have a second, but yeah, gray, black, gray comes in at number seven. Number six. With number six, I'm going to go with Baylor's traditional road uniform and that is gold white gold the plain gold not the chrome gold white and then the gold pants i love this look it is so classy i even loved this look i know i said we weren't using previous iterations of the uniform but this looks always been good when robert griffin beat texas on the road before we got these new uniforms they were wearing this look this look has always looked good i've always been a big fan I like the more traditional uniform combinations. I think you'll see that as we move forward. But yeah, the gold, white, gold is a great look for the Baylor Bears. Number five. With number five, I'm going to go with the chrome pickle uniform, which is the chrome gold helmets with the green jersey and the green pants. And I know I said I'm doing the last few years. We're unfortunately not going to get to see the chrome helmets this season because we did make that switch to where most of the team is wearing that new model of safer helmet and they didn't do it in chrome, unfortunately. But the chrome pickle was a great look. I love the shiny domes on top of the all green Baylor Bears. And so that comes in at number five. Number four. Number four is, I think, an underrated uniform by a lot of our fans, and that is white, green, white. Ooh, I don't know what does it for me, but I love when Baylor added the white helmet. I think white helmets are so clean, and you put it with the green jersey, and then, like I said, I like when the domes match the pants, and so the white, green, white is a really slick look for a home uniform. I think it's a little underrated by Baylor fans. That comes in at number four for me. Number three. Number three, I got to give it to the blackout jerseys. I wanted Baylor to add black jerseys forever when I was a younger Baylor fan and going into college. I was so stoked when we added black uniforms. And our first attempt at black uniforms back in the Nick Florence era was not a great look. Those were not clean. But the new ones with this series of uniforms is so good. Oh, the blackout uniforms now are so good. I absolutely love them. I have very fond memories with them from that big Oklahoma game uh, during the last season at Floyd Casey and others. 
Love the blackout jerseys. Love black, black, black. Could wear that every game, and I'd be happy. But it only comes in at number three. There's two more ahead of it. Number two. For number two, I got to go with the classic Baylor look. And this, again, I think is tragically underrated. But the gold, green, gold is so classic. It's so slick. It screams Baylor, and it still looks good. And we only wear it about once a year, and I hate that. I love it. I love the traditional gold, green, gold. I don't think it's beatable except by this number one combination, which is... As Max Garner already pointed out, the best one, number one, chrome black black is incredible. That uniform is so tight. I freaking love it. It's just, there's nothing more to say. It's the best uniform we have. I hate that we're not going to see it this season because of the helmet situation, but love the chrome black blacks. Barely, barely ranked them ahead of gold green gold. Those two to me are just so far above all the rest of them. But yes, the chrome black black is a look that will last forever. And I hope when we get our redesign, and I think that happens this next offseason, if I'm not mistaken, Nike sticks with something very similar to this chrome black black look. And so that is my top 10 uniform countdown. A couple of thoughts as we wrap that up. I know a lot of people like the pickle uniforms, green, green, green. I don't. I think they're tacky and look silly i know a lot of people like the gunmetal gray as i already mentioned the gray 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 and i don't love that either so there's two uniform combinations i know a lot of people like that i just don't Um, but all the ones i named i think are are really nice especially those top five or six are really slick Uh, i didn't include the uniforms we wore against texas when we won our first big 12 championship because those were throwbacks and we've only worn them once so i did love those as well the gold green white was an interesting combination, but with the classic helmet look and the plain jerseys and pants, I thought that was really slick the night we closed out. Floyd Casey, if you have any more thoughts on the uniforms, tweet them at bear underscore podcast. I'd love to know what you think. Sorry that I don't like the Stormtrooper as much as you do, but you know that got me thinking this week, and I really wanted to do this segment and discuss some of Baylor's uniforms, and so there you go. Here's this week's edition of the Minor Minute with Bears Illustrated's Andrew Miner. Thanks, Scotty. And with Baylor's 37-20 win over UTSA in the historic Alamo Dome last Saturday, we now turn the page to Duke. And the Blue Devils are fresh off a 21-7 win over the Northwestern Wildcats in Evanston, Illinois. However, they've lost their starting quarterback Daniel Jones and starting cornerback Mark Gilbert with a fractured clavicle and hip injury, respectively. Mark Gilbert led the ACC with six interceptions last year. For whatever reason, this news has seemed to cause Baylor fans to become complacent and start to overlook the Blue Devils. However, this is a very strong defensive team that's going to be much better than both ACU and UTSA that Baylor will have to prepare for and play extremely well against. Their offensive line is going to have to do a much better job at protecting the quarterback and opening up holes in a non-existing running game in San Antonio this past week. And the defense is going to have to play a lot better and prevent the explosive plays from happening. Still, there's reason to be optimistic. Northwestern had success running the ball with Jeremy Larkin, who had 24 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. And Northwestern also operated a two-quarterback dual system with Clayton Thorson and TJ Green, the son of Trent Green. Clayton Thorson, who's still recovering from a, a torn ACL in the Music City Bowl from last year, went 22 of 38 for 198 yards. The key is that each threw an interception, 
and those two turnovers turned out to be the difference in the game for the Wildcats. For whichever Baylor quarterback is under center or in the pocket on Saturday, whether it be Charlie Brewer or Jalen McClendon, they'll have to find a way to deliver the ball to their open receivers because the opportunity will definitely be there. All in all, it will be another great test of adversity for Baylor, who should be in a great position to win this game as well. And one last shout-out to the Baylor volleyball team who beat number 2 Wisconsin in four sets on Friday evening. That's the highest-ranked volleyball opponent that Baylor has ever defeated. Be sure to come out to McLean Stadium this weekend. I have Baylor 38-31 over Duke, Sigam Bears. Rebecca Fiorentino works for Duke Athletics. She travels with the football team to every game. She runs their social media accounts. She does a bunch of other various things for the Duke Blue Devils. And she joined me to help preview Baylor versus Duke, the game that will go down this Saturday in Waco. So here is my conversation with Rebecca, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Rebecca Fiorentino, a Duke Athletics reporter, producer, and editor. Uh, I do a lot of the things that you see on our Duke football social media video-wise. Um, I'm also a reporter, so I go in there and interview the guys. I, I host our coaches show as well, so I wear a variety of hats, but it's always a lot of fun uh, with our football team and then as well with a variety of sports on campus. Well, hey Rebecca, thanks for joining us, and why don't before we get into the details and the nitty-gritty, why don't you tell us a little bit about this Duke football team, maybe how they compare to last season, the team that Baylor saw, and what you've seen so far from them this year. Well, the first two games, they look great. I mean, they came out really aggressive, and I think defense is really the story that's, you know, they've been a breakout. They're super deep on defense, but they also are really deep in their in their receiving core this year not playing as many freshmen as we were last year. And so a lot more experienced guys have kind of come in and then your red shirt freshmen are able to start to play. But in the game against Northwestern, we unfortunately had some injuries. So we're going to be very different when you see us in Waco on uh, Saturday. We'll be without our starting quarterback. Um, he was a three-year starter for us, was really excited about uh, his future and what he could do with the the team this year, but he'll be out indefinitely, unfortunately, with uh, an injury to his his left shoulder. And then we also saw our starting cornerback go down, and unfortunately, he is out for the season, which was really sad to hear. We were on the plane ride back and just watching him he was in good spirits, but I know I was like emotional for him. I felt really bad because um, you never want to see someone go down like that with his uh, with with his left hip. So who knows what we could see on um, on the defensive side and the offensive side? But we did have some some new guys uh, step up on the defensive side. Where Mark Gilbert, our cornerback, uh, when he went out, we had Marquise Waters and Michael Carter. They picked they both picked up. Uh, where he left off and both got their first career interceptions. So that was that was good to see both of them kind of getting in there. And, you know, after the game, they said they were playing this game for him. And I'm sure the season is really going to be, you know, to pick up where Mark Gilbert left off. Well, and you already brought up the next thing I was going to ask you, which is about Daniel Jones, the starting quarterback for the Blue Devils, who went down. I know he's out and definitely had surgery, if I read that correctly today, on that shoulder. 
what does this offense look like without him? What do you expect to see them do when you lose a guy with so much experience under his belt under center like that? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, he came out, and for the f- fourth quarter, you know, we had 21 points in the second quarter, and uh, the Northwestern defense held us to zero points in the second half, but our defense held Northwestern to zero points uh, for three quarters. So Northwestern scored on the opening drive, and then they didn't score for the rest of the game. But our offense... I mean, we still are really deep with our receiving core. I mean, you have veteran guys like Chris Taylor, who's been doing really well. And then you also have some of your new guys as well. Freshmen go in there like Bobo or or Jonathan Lloyd, actually, who is also a veteran guy. So I guess our offense, I mean, Daniel Jones has really been working with our offense and building those relationships and getting that chemistry um, with guys like Chris Taylor and Jonathan Lloyd and Aaron Young. Um, so it could be a little bit different on Saturday, but I think uh, I think if if defense can get fourth downs, third down and fourth down stops, then our offense can get in there and run the ball. Uh, I think they've been doing a good job with that. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about your run game because I think Baylor's biggest weakness we've shown thus far this season is having trouble stopping the run, especially some big plays. They're both Abilene Christian and Texas San Antonio, neither uh, great stalwart teams have been able to break off some really nice long runs against us. What, what does that Duke Blue Devils run game look like this season? Well, I can, I mean, some stats from our last game. Uh, we, did not have a rushing touchdown, which was actually surprising. Um, three passing touchdowns for Daniel Jones uh, this past game, including a one-handed touchdown from our tight end Davis Copenhaver. But I still think that you know that we wanted more explosive plays, and I think we got that uh, in the game against Northwestern. But I think I think we will see probably a lot more rushing yards with our quarterback on Saturday against Baylor. Quentin Harris, who is the quarterback that will most likely be coming in, as he did for Daniel Jones in the fourth quarter, he did all right. He came in a little bit last year, but I haven't seen a whole lot of Quentin Harris. I mean, from practice, he's been doing fine. His relationship with Daniel is is great, too. I mean, they work off of each other. He had 14 rushing yards when he came in for Daniel Jones against Northwestern. So if our offensive line can, you know, they weren't obviously weren't able to protect Daniel Jones with that injury. But if our offensive line can really step up, um, you know, we had a guy, our center kind of go down. I'm sure he's sore today, but he went down and then we had a transfer. uh, Jack Wallabaugh from Ohio State step in as as the center number 50. So, you know, the pass protection, I think, will be good. Because really, I mean, our defense was stellar, and when our defense and when our offense couldn't, you know, perform, our defense was right there to, you know, stop the ball and and get the offense out on the field again. But the defense has got to be tired today, especially with the amount of time that they were on the field. I'm thinking um, as we're talking, I'm thinking that may be the matchup to watch. Just because I'm going to tell you, uh, Duke's going to score. Baylor's defense is really showing some weaknesses um, early. Uh, I think the matchup to watch will be how well Duke can get to the quarterback because Baylor's got a guy starting this year in Charlie Brewer who did not play against Duke last year who's very elusive 
and uh, very good at throwing the ball on the run and getting away from pressure. And then kind of similar to what you were saying, Duke has, Baylor has stupid depth at receiver this year between Denzel Mims, former Tennessee running back Jalen Hurd, uh, veteran Chris Platt, uh, a guy named Marcus Jones, a couple others. So if I just say that to you, that I I think that's going to be where we see some fireworks will be how Duke can step up and stop Baylor's offense. What, what do you anticipate happening in that matchup? I really love the way that our defense looks right now. Even with Mark Gilbert going out, we are still deep with our cornerbacks and we can move guys out in the secondary as well. So I, I love what we've had from our defense. We have veteran leaders with our linebacker crew with Ben Humphreys and Joe Giles Harris. They're like an old married couple. <laughs> They're great. Ben Humphreys had 15 tackles on Saturday against Northwestern. So he's leading the charge there and great leader, you know, for both the offense and the defense. He's been around uh, the two of them, Ben Humphreys and Joe Giles Harris are roommates, um, teammates, best friends, and linebacking core, you know, one of the best in the nation, I believe. They're a terror out on the field and you know, nothing really, besides the opening drive of the Northwestern game, nothing really got past them. And they had four sacks on Saturday, eight TFLs, and uh, two turnovers. One of the stats was I think Northwestern had, you know, nine sacks in the past however many games, like last year. And we got four on the, four against them uh, on Saturday. So our defense has been really been able to step up. Our defensive ends and our D-line has really been able to come in, and they, they play an aggressive style. We have a co-defensive coordinator crew, so two guys as our defensive coordinator, Ben Albert and um, Guerrero, and the two of them have really been able to be a good leadership to this defensive core, and uh, they've been able to come in, I mean, like I mentioned, in our cornerbacks and our, our defensive line, um, with some of those, they are, they are younger and haven't been able to play together as much, but in our past two games have, you know, have really been able to stand out. Um, and I've been really impressed with what I've seen from them. What do you expect to happen Saturday? How do you think this is <laughs> going to go? I actually, I saw Baylor uh, as of just about an hour ago. I think I saw a tweet that Baylor after the news on Daniel Jones is a two point favorite. So really, I did not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think Baylor has looked not great, but fairly good in their first two games. And, and Duke obviously has as well, but when you lose a starting quarterback. Right, but I think it's next man up. I mean, you lose your starting cornerback. You lose your not only your quarterback, but your starting cornerback. Um, but it's next man up mentality. Both uh, our cornerbacks who came in after Mark Gilbert got hurt, like I said, have their first career interceptions. If we can continue that trend... Uh, I think they'll be all right. I mean, Quentin Harris, I mean, this is his time to shine. I mean, we had this happen to us in 2013 when when our starting quarterback, Anthony Boone, came out with an injury. Um, he was out for a few games. And then in 2013 when we won the ACC championship. Um, so not to say that could, that's, you know, a trending thing or has happened before, but uh, it's next man up mentality. And so that's what you got to do. It's still non-conference play. And so I think – this is Quentin Harris's time to really prove that uh, he can go in there and, and make an impact with these guys. I mean, you have new guys, um, Deion Jackson, 57 yards yesterday. Britton Brown really has been, been able to step up too. So I think it'll be 
hopefully this time and we only we had one quarter against Northwestern. We scored 21 points. We were really explosive in the second quarter, but pretty quiet the second half. So we just got to put together two full halves and be able to execute um in the red zone and uh, you know be, put points on the board. I mean, one thing that coach emphasized the beginning of the year was his his favorite stat, one stat he wanted to see more of was PPG, points per game. Not points per quarter, <laughs> points per game. So we did get the win 21-7, to seven, um, but I think he would like to see a lot more points there uh, in the second half as well. I do have a fun fact for our defense as well, and knock on wood right now because I don't want to break any trends, and I hope I'm by saying this I'm not uh, breaking it, but we've had seven straight games where we haven't allowed uh, the offense to score in the fourth quarter. So I'm knocking on wood so that that trend could continue you want to put a little prop bet on that because <laughs> Baylor Baylor's looked pretty good at closing out these first two games but uh so I can so in my article that I write every week for the podcast I can put on the headline that uh, Rebecca Fiorentino thinks Duke's gonna win the ACC championship because of quarterback injury right no that's no, what no, you no. said do not do not quote me with that oh no I will, coach will not be happy with that but I think I'm playing it's definitely just next man up mentality I mean you, you can't just sulk or you can't dwell uh, on something like that I think it's just all right you know who's up who's next uh let's go out and play you mentioned coach matt rule actually said in his press conference after the game baylor against utsa that he considers david cutcliffe a a hero of his i know a lot of uh, a lot of people in waco were actually thinking that we should have reached out to him about the head coaching vacancy here a couple years ago what's it been like working for him i, I heard that and i was just like wow like that's that's awesome because Coach Cutcliffe is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Uh, I know the silent reporter Samantha Ponder was asked, you know, who has been some of the nicest coaches that she's been able to work with, and she mentioned Coach Cutcliffe. And that just, you know, I can't take anything for granted because it is so true, the amount of respect that people have for him. I know for myself, like, I, I host his coaches show every Sunday, and it is such an honor to be able to work with him he's so great with me and he he's just so you learn so much from him as well I mean I get like a history lesson every time I talk with him because he's so knowledgeable he's so friendly and he's just really nice to everyone no matter you know if they win or they lose I mean he pat me on the back uh, against the win on Northwestern and was like let's go Rebecca and so you know, I've been really fortunate to have a coach like Coach Cutcliffe to, to work with him. I know Duke's been through a lot, you know, a lot of losing seasons, and his spirits are just, you know, he's just so great to be around, and so I'm, I'm really thankful to have a coach like him to be around. All right, we didn't, we didn't get to a direct answer to my question Uh-oh. earlier, so now I want to hear it. What's happening on Saturday? Who you got? What's, what's going down? Oh, man. Well, obviously, I'm gonna have Duke winning, um, but I would I really think a three and zero start, going down our starting quarterback and our cornerback, this would be a really good morale booster to have Duke win. And so I I think another twenty one to seven win would be pretty nice. <laughs> Holding Baylor to I just a- one touchdown, not in the opening drive, hopefully. <laughs> I have pretty high confidence that we'll score more than once. So I but I I expect a close game. I think. I did not love Baylor in this game before this afternoon, 
and knowing that Jones is out, I, I'm feeling very confident. So uh, I think that's going to be the storyline of the game. And, yeah, I expect both teams to play well, and I expect it to be a tight game. Because uh, even last year, a lot of Baylor fans were like, oh, we, we lost all these games last year. But even that game last year was a lot closer than I think people remember. I, I agree. Did you make the trip up to Durham? I did not. You didn't. I, I agree. I mean, it was a lot closer than I was hoping to, but – I think getting the win was a nice touch. So I think on the road this year, uh, first time in Waco, first time in Texas for a lot of these guys, myself included. So I'm excited to make the trip to Texas. First time in the state? Yeah, I will. Okay, I went when I was like one, but I don't think that really counts because I don't remember it. So yes, this is my first time oh in the state of gosh. Texas. So I'm pretty excited. There is, oh my, how long are you going to be down here? A day? Yeah. Okay. What? Where should if I go? Your, Oh, that's what I'm telling you. You don't. Well, welcome. We love it here. I love Waco. Waco is an awesome place to be. You have to have. I would say you have to have Tex-Mex and barbecue. But since you're only going to be here for a day, maybe just try to knock one of those off. Well, everyone says the barbecue in North Carolina is the best. So. Mm-mm. I will challenge you. All right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I don't know what your schedule's like. There's good bar I mean there's good barbecue places here and there's bad barbecue places here like anywhere. But if you want true Texas barbecue, either find a way to get to you are you writing this down? You need to write this down. I uh, yep, I'll write it down. <laughs> okay. Okay, perfect. Find a way to get to Guess G U E S S Guess Family Barbecue. Okay. Or Honky Tonk Kid. Oh, Honky Tonk Kid. Sounds One of like those a great two. barbecue place. <laughs> there's there's a lot of and there's a place I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a place where the Baylor people will tell you to go called Vtex. Do not go there. Okay. I'll take it, your it word is known for it. for it it is known for the gut pack, which is this Frito pie on steroids, and it's good, but it's not good like barbecue. If you want true Texas barbecue, go to Guest Family is my first recommendation, or Honky Tonk Kid. All right, and I'll bring some North Carolina barbecue down. I'll sneak it on the plane somehow. <laughs> well, then you got to bring it to me because I've never, I don't think I've, I think the closest I've gotten to having Carolina barbecue is, is having barbecue in Eastern Tennessee. And I don't know if that counts. Nope, does not count. All right. Well, hey, Rebecca, thank you so much for uh, taking some time. No problem. To be with us. Any any last thoughts for the for the Baylor faithful? Do you guys ever get tired of people thinking of Waco as the HGTV um, show with Chip and Joanna? You know... I had to ask. Well, so here's the deal. The answer is yes, but it's a lot better than people used to think about Waco. <laughs> because before before Chip and Joe got on their little roll, it was always people would talk about David Koresh. And, and that was like... I think I was like a few months old when all of that went down. And so it's been forever, but that's all people. Oh, you're from Waco. Oh, David Koresh burned that building and killed all those people. And number. And the other thing is that's, that's like 15 miles outside of Waco. It wasn't even in like city limits. Oh, jeez. So the answer is, is Waco locals are kind of, yeah, we kind of roll our eyes at, at uh, fixer upper and it's a great show though. Well, and it's a it's a better thing to be known for than a cult that went wrong. This and is true. It's that's very true, and it's uh, it's brought a lot of really good tourism 
and economy stuff to Waco. Like I, I, uh, on and off for the past several years have served tables, uh, seasonally, uh, here in town. And I've met people from Europe, everywhere, from South Africa, from Asia, from Australia. Because of the show Fixer Upper? Because they are coming to see Magnolia. No it's way. So, you swear, it's crazy. I met one couple one time that they said, well, we had a week to visit the United States and we decided to check out three spots. So we did New York City, now we're in Waco, and we'll go to LA tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> what? Of all the three places you could go to in the United States, yes, Waco. And I, love, <laughs> and I love Waco, but if somebody's going to get three places in the United States, I say go see Dallas. You know, go see, go see D- Dallas, Fort Worth. I would be like, Waco? It's unbelievable. Well, well, what a week for um, Texas versus North Carolina as the Panthers and the Cowboys are playing. And then Duke and Baylor Bears are going against each other. That's right. Well, and the Cowboys, as we're recording this right now, the Cowboys are, are getting beat, so I, I hope they can step it up. Well, hopefully we have a similar score. No, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm picking the Bears. A big thank you once again to Rebecca Fiorentino for coming on the podcast this week to help us preview Baylor-Duke. It's going to be a very interesting game for sure. We will see how the Bears come out of that one on Saturday. Thanks again, Miss Fiorentino. I want to remind you that Please Bear With Me, the show, airs every game day eve, so in this case Friday night, at 8 p.m. Central Time, okay? We did this last Friday, and it went very well. Last Friday on Please Bear With Me, the show, I predicted that Derek Thomas would get an interception. I predicted that Clay Johnson would have a big impact, and I predicted that Jalen Hurd would have a breakout game. If you want the best breakdown and analysis the night before Baylor plays, tune in to Please Bear With Me, the show. It happens on Periscope, and it happens on Facebook Live. If you are following us on Twitter at Bear underscore podcast or on Facebook at Please Bear With Me, you will see us when we go live. And so tune into that at 8 p.m. Central every game day eve for the rest of the season and send me some questions send me some thoughts let's dialogue let's engage and let's talk about the game coming up so this friday at 8 p.m we will do facebook live and periscope please bear with me the show to preview baylor duke and i hope to see all of you tune in for that that's all the time i've got for this edition of please bear with me thank you so much for jumping in with this this week baylor is 2-0 let's enjoy it let's have a great week this week, and I will see you Saturday at McLean Stadium. Sick'em Bears. Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Iron Kids for all the music you heard on today's podcast. Go check them out, Iron Kids, on SoundCloud. I've been Scotty Swingler, and this is Please Bear With Me. Please Bear With Me.